What's happening, guys? It's your girl, Mina. Welcome back to the Carrington Podcast, a Manchester United football podcast solely focused on following the Red Devils up north. Today, Manchester United bounced back after the Manchester derby with a 2-0 win against Bristol City away from home. Newly promoted team, you'd expect that it would be a phenomenal performance from the team, but it was not that. Today, I'm your host, Mina, and of course, for the first time on the podcast, I'm joined by a special guest, um, Namrata. You can introduce yourself, but if you are part of Manchester United Football Twitter, then you are no stranger to who <laughs> she is. Welcome, Namrata. Thank you for being the first guest on the pod. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me. And I think just want to introduce myself as being chronically online on Twitter. And yeah, just, just been following the women's team for since the first season in WSL. So it's been a ride. And yeah, just we'll, we'll talk about the rest later. As well. And and you live outside of England, right? How is it like? Yeah, yeah. I, I live in India. So it's like 5,000 miles away from Manchester. And like I'm living on Manchester time for the last 15 20 years basically since i've been following united so yeah that's amazing and that that just shows how global the team is you know a lot of people yeah. can say that united ain't a big team but united are global um onto today's game of course manchester united did have a midweek game in the conti cup beat liverpool 1-0 we were talking about it just before we started recording it was a snooze fest of a game but i think the big one was obviously this wsl fixture First and foremost, what I will say before we get into the game is I am annoyed on a lot of fans' behalves because it seems like Manchester United fans get the shorter end of the stick when it comes to away games, especially far journeys. Um, they had a, a, a late Sunday game against Brighton, an early mm. Sunday game against Bristol. After the mm. international break, it's another late Sunday game against Spurs away from home. Listen, the WSL need to give the fans a break if the tv scheduling is impacting the kickoff times then please at least saturday saturday is better than a sunday um but let's get into it as always we're going to start with the lineup that mark skinner went with which is what i kind of anticipated after his pre-game press conference i kind of thought this would be the team he would go with mary Earps in goal jade riviere at right back maya Letizia and millie turner and hannah blundell formed the four in the back it was mia zawa starting with katie zellum Ella Toon in the 10, Nikita Paris on the right, Leah Golton back where she belongs on the left-hand side, on the left wing, not left back, left wing, and mm. JC up top. Manchester United, one thing I'll say, is always got a stacked bench. You know, you've got the options of bringing on Mallard, you can bring on Garcia, you can bring on Williams, you can bring on Nolson. And today, Mark Skinner chose to bring on Hayley Ladd. Now, we're going to get into the game because I think the first half was a horrible <laughs> I think it was... It was terrible. Um, I was very disappointed coming into the game. My expectation was, especially watching Bristol City against the likes of Arsenal, against uh, City. Um, I just felt like United failed to dominate at any point during the game. There was about 20 minutes in the second half that United did dominate and they scored two goals. Yeah. One of them was, you know, they kind of had to get a deflection to get a goal, but we'll take it. We'll take yeah. it. I'm happy with that. But I think fine. in particular, in the first half, all credit goes, I think, to Bristol because I think Bristol City lined up well. They started with, they had a back five in transition. They were playing yeah. very deep with their back five and their midfield four, compact. And United just struggled, I think, to break them down. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was 
one of the most boring halves of football uh, that I've seen. And and actually, I just remember this. So at the end of the first half, we had eight minutes of added time. And I think the internet went off or something. And you know when it goes off, there's like this moving circle that that's like buffering video. And I watched it for like two or three minutes before realizing that the match has actually stopped. Like I was so bored. <laughs> I was so bored. It was, oh God. But uh, we was like really slow uh, in the first half. Uh, I think off the ball, nobody was really moving around. And I think this season, especially whenever we have, we are playing against a team that is very well set up, who have a good structure. It's like, we don't have any answers to that. Uh, and I think even Miyazawa, bef- I think the whole game before Miyazawa scored was really poor overall. Uh, I think the moment she scored, it's like for the next 20 minutes after that, it was uh, it was brilliant. Uh, we scored two goals and I think there was two goals that were uh, disallowed within the gap of five minutes or something. So Tooney and Paris, right? Uh, so I think it was a good run of form. Good, not, not a good run of form, but like a good 20 minutes of of the game but like overall if you're going to meet if you're going to play a game, uh, against Bristol City especially after we have like lost a lot of points I think we should have been like obviously three points is a given but we should be looking at you know like getting the goal difference up because that might kind of come into play at the end of the season for top three so like not a great game it's good that we got three points but it's sort of concerning that we have only got three points against teams that are like at the bottom of the table. Yeah, I think I think when you're playing against teams in the bottom part of the table, I think it yeah. should be three points guaranteed. Obviously, yeah. I think United have struggled with the like, you know, Leicester. We dropped points to Leicester, dropped points to Brighton, yeah. of course. Very different team to Bristol. And I think Bristol are still on the hunt on, you know, trying to find some identity in the WSL because I think from the championship to the WSL, you know, the the skill gap is is huge. Um, So I think Bristol is still trying to find identity. But today, what I think they did well is the way that they were set up. I know for a fact they went into halftime absolutely buzzing. They were absolutely buzzing that United could not break them down. And and the thing I think is the biggest problem when it comes to United coming up against teams that are so compact, compact and defensively are in a good shape. When United can't break them down I think it's because they they we United lack a ball player they lack yeah. a ball player whether it's in midfield yeah. you know or in, having a centre-back that can drive the ball that can progress the ball having a midfielder that can break the lines that's not Katie Zellum Katie Zellum don't do yeah. that um yeah. Letizia doesn't do that Millie Turner doesn't do that a lot of the time when United are building up and it's very annoying to watch sometimes it's either <laughs> they build up and they go all the way back to their keeper and the keeper just yeah. boots it upfield or yeah. they go back to their back line and Millie Turner, Maya Letizia, great ball-playing ability, but they are not ball progressors. So yeah. they don't go for the drive. They don't try to drive the ball forward. They'll just try to find mm-hmm. the long pass. And for me, a lot of the time, I feel like that's wasteful with possessions because especially when we're playing a, a front line that has, you know, not tall players up top. We've got JC, we've got Nikita Paris. When you're playing the ball, when you're booting the ball upfield, a lot of the time, the centre-back was winning. The, they were winning the ball back. And I feel like with the possession in the game, United didn't have... They had spells where they had possession, building up, etc. But I think it was so scrappy on both ends, Bristol and United. I feel like United should have come into that game, number one, 
as favorites. They came into the game as favorites. They should have dominated. They should have dominated possession, dominated, created chances. They created a lot of chances in the first half that I think tested the keeper. Uh, Nikita Paris had a chance, Leo Golton um, forced a save. Goalkeeper made some great saves, I think, in the first half. Yeah. But I think nothing was really that threatening. And that was what scared me the most when I was watching the game. I thought, well, you know, you got the options of bringing Mallard on. We know inevitably 73rd minute, 75th minute, Rachel Williams is coming on. It's inevitable. You know, there's three things in life guaranteed. Death, tax and Rachel Williams coming on in the 73rd minute all the yeah. time. It's kind of, and I like, I'm not going to lie, I like Rachel Williams because when she yeah. did come on with Garcia, they brought energy. And that's what United yeah. lacked. They were, every every second chance, they were going for it, winning it. Yeah. Um, but for me, my player of the game, who I think was actually done done badly by the ref, was Jade Riviere. Um, yeah. I think she's growing into, you know, this role. She's growing into the team. She's growing into her position at Manchester United. And it was a very physical team. I think Bristol were quite physical and they were very physical with her because, you know, United like to get their fullbacks involved. They like to get Blundell involved. They like to get... Riviere and got involved and I think in the first half for me she was the best player and I think yeah. it's quite telling when your fullback is is the best player in the game I think the the biggest question or the biggest topic is not a United game without people talking about Mary Epps it's not a United <laughs> game people don't talk about Mary Epps what yeah. did you make of her performance her reaction to some stuff because she was tested a few times as well she made some good saves but I yeah. feel like my biggest concern with Mary Epps is she just hoofs the ball up. Every time the ball comes back to her, it's either yeah. the ball gets booted upfield or she tries to play a little dinked pass to her fullbacks or to her centre-backs that ends up being a sloppy pass. Yeah. What do you think? I think, like, with Mary Ops, I think I'll kind of get to Mary Ops later, but I think I think Jade was very good. <laughs> I, I, right? Uh, I think she, she had, like, a rough start to the season. Uh, she, she, I think the first time she came on was right wing against PSG. That's not her position, but like game by game, you can see how well she's doing. And I mean, I just actually think we are used to the right back being the best player for us because of the season that Ona had last season. So I think, you know, she's on a 2.0 for me, or she will be like if given enough chances. But I think it's very, uh, what you said, right? What, especially in this match, I think what we were missing is. I think very rarely does it happen that all three departments of our team kind of play sharp, fast, attacking football at the same time. So, like like defense, midfield, and attack, it's like at any point in time, you either have at least one or two of them playing well, and then the third sort of the attackers kind of can't uh, find a goal or the defense is on fire. Not happened enough this season, but the defense is trying to progress the ball and then the midfield is not working out and so on. So I think there hasn't just been that cohesion. It hasn't been balanced uh, for most part of the season. Uh, I think the the Everton Conti Cup game was the closest that we've come from like a overall complete performance. Uh, this game as well in the first half, uh, we had some moments where we were progressing the ball really well. Uh, you know, Miyazawa was playing really well uh, in the midfield. But again, the moment it got to the attacking areas, we didn't really know exactly what to do. And it was all over the place. Uh, I think Tooney had a good game. Uh, she had two assists. I wouldn't say she's back. Like, I have been down that rabbit hole before. <laughs> I will not say that Tooney's back again. Uh, it's like she has, like, a couple of good games and then she has a couple of bad games. So it sort of evens out. But... I really hope uh, 
she has a good run of games for us now because i think she has been struggling for the past two years and she seems to play really well with miyazawa uh i don't understand so i'm not very very much into tactics so i don't know why exactly that is uh but i think she looks most comfortable with miyazawa playing as the number eight uh i think up front jayze is great but i think i think you said this on the previous podcast that she needs to like she's great at dribbling but she needs to like start uh taking the final shots. product that final the, the product final, the final yeah. product right like it's like she wants to like dribble 10 players before scoring a goal and like i like that it looks really great but i think she needs to kind of start uh the end product needs to be a lot better and you could see it on her face when she was subbed out that she's really really annoyed she's really disappointed uh i think for long term we need to figure out where her best position is i actually think she'll do better on the right wing than playing centrally and malad will do a lot better playing centrally but uh again i'm not sure <laughs> why why that is happening uh and when you see lucia garcia like when she comes in she's direct she's threatening she has pace and i think we need a bit more of that from everyone in the team you know uh like i understand that we we try to play the possession based football but i think sometimes when you have to get out of a bad phase you have to like revert to the basics and uh perfect them and i think that is something that we're not doing uh what else yeah i think overall it was fine about mary ups so i think like uh she had an okay game i don't really uh i think she had one or two moments where uh i kind of felt nervous uh i don't remember very well but like she made saves it was fine but i think overall this season she hasn't been that great and uh like it it almost seems like every single game there is some error in her game now i don't know why that is is it because of you think it's the, the off the pitch stuff that is <laughs> i think so i think maybe that could be like that is that is the only thing that we can think of right like uh i so so it's obviously off the pitch stuff we saw that with russo as well last year uh that in the second half of the season she sort of was not at her best and i think the the contract situation was weighing on her mind and i think it might be the same with mary ups as well but i think the because the defense has not been that great this season i think that might also be affecting mary and like uh we've been like changing full backs almost every single game uh, in this season so i think if we have a stable defense and we've only started getting clean sheets now but i think if we can like sort of stabilize the defensive structure i think she will get better but i also think you know she's i think mentally she might be checked out uh, i i kind of think yeah no I, <laughs> i think she has checked out uh unfortunately uh i don't know if she will leave in january or in the next season but like i don't see her and look at a player that's uh that's sort of right here and right now with the club like uh i don't know uh so it's it's kind of disappointing because i like really like mary ups as a player but yeah i think as as like she's a big brand like i think yeah. in women's football like women's football has now moved towards the idea of players being brands having a name yeah. for themselves similar to like the men's team and i think mary mary ups is firstly a household name especially with the yeah. success she's had with the lionesses a uh, golden yeah. glove etc you know euros winner all of that kind of stuff she's a household name i think 
when I watch United, and it's really annoying because it's it's so funny because last season we went from complaining about rotation. Now I'm complaining about too much rotation. <laughs> there's no consistent 11 or yeah. there's no consistent midfield. And I think, you know, aside outside of the Mary Epps situation, I think the biggest problem for Manchester United is that there is not a consistent midfield. I think the midfield is the heart mm. of the team. In football, I think the midfield is most... If you, can, if you have a great crop of midfield players that you rely on game in, game out, then, you know, it doesn't matter who you play up top and who you play behind them because the midfield is what keeps the game going. It's, it's what keeps the heart pumping, essentially. And I feel like with United, you know, I'm seeing, you know, Miyazawa starting one game. I'm seeing Ladd starting another game. Um, I'm seeing yeah. Nelson starting another game. I, I, I'm seeing so much rotation. I think... That particular partner to Katie Zellum is what's for me mm. the biggest problem because, um, yeah. you know, we talk about it a lot and and I feel like you know what Z- Katie Zellum does when she plays higher up the pitch is far more beneficial for the team than what she does when she plays you know sitting just right in front of the back line. Today she was playing as the lone midfielder, the lone holding six if you want to yeah. call it, the, the lone DM. Um, Miyazawa was supporting and I don't think her, defensively she was that great. But every time that Katie Zellum had the ball and she, you know, she's scanning and she's getting pressed, my heart was dropping to my stomach. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, she's going to get dispossessed. The yeah. second that Hayley Ladd came on and it yeah. allowed Zellum to go more forward, I felt more comfortable with Zellum. I felt more happy with Zellum. I, because yeah. I feel like she's better there. And I think, you know, you know, the manager is maybe tr- still trying to figure out who should play where in midfield with out the thought of dropping certain players because I've seen people saying, you know, the topic of conversation always Zellum needs to be dropped, Toon needs to be dropped. And the thing is, I think is Toon plays well with Miyazawa because I feel like less defensive responsibility on Toon. I don't know if you realize when she plays with Miyazawa, Miyazawa plays in that midfield part in the like central eight part. Ella yeah. Toon is allowed to float left, right, central. She can float across that 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 front line. And and yeah. that's great. She does she's good at it. Today she got an assist um from from the central and she got a assist from the left hand side she's able to float across you know the 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 central 10 part and you know left hand right hand because Miyazawa was there to still pick up the ball recycle it restart it uh, and contribute to progressing the ball forward Miyazawa and Zellum don't play that well together so it's like the manager needs to figure out is he gonna drop Zellum and keep Miyazawa and that way you know, Ella, Ella Toon's playing more confidently. She's playing comfortably. Today, she got two assists. She got eight assists so far this season in all competitions. She she got five assists, I think, in the WSL. She had eight last season. So, clearly, she's on track to have a better season than she did last year in terms of assist-wise. I'm not pressed about the goals, you know, because she's yeah. a 10. I don't need her to score 20 goals a season. Um, but the the interesting thing for me, and I think it's always the... Like, people always ask me for my opinion, is that midfield is, like... You know, you look at City, you look at Chelsea, you look at Arsenal, they've got their midfield. Whoever right. starts in their midfield, guaranteed, game in, game out, unless there's injuries or whatever, rotation for a Conti Cup game, etc. They have their midfields. What I would do, please, United fans, don't shoot me, but what I would do to have Nisigawa <laughs> at United, yeah? Oh, She's yes. my favourite player. And I think that's what United need. They need a midfielder like that if they want to get the best out of Toon and Miyazawa. And I feel like it's just an awkward place to be like, well, what happens with Zellum? Because I still think Zellum's a good player. I think she, Katie Zellum's a good player, but yeah. I think she's better off with no defensive duties. And at that yeah. point, you, you know, you've got three players that you want to pick. And I get the issue that the manager has. He's got Miyazawa, Toon and Zellum. 
And instead of picking two out of three, he would rather just play all three of them. And sometimes, you know, you don't reap the benefits of that because there's more defensive liability than anything else. It'll be interesting to see how United kind of progress with that. But on a more positive vibe, let's talk about Nikita Paris and how she didn't get a call up to the England team. Serena Wiegman, you're, you're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. <laughs> one thing I will say is that I'm very happy for Nikita Paris because last yeah. year, I think she she kind of struggled to get a starting spot in the team. I don't think she's a mm. game-in, game-out starting player. But I think there's certain games that benefits her to play. You know, I remember Villa away. I went to Villa away. She had a goal. Um, it was a goal that actually started the comeback uh, for that yeah. game last season. This season, she's got eight goals in all competitions, four in the WSL, four in the Conti Cup. She's basically on track to have a double-digit uh, goal-scoring right. record this season. And it's interesting because a lot of people wrote her off. A yeah. lot of people wrote her off. What do you think of, A, the fact that she didn't really start at the beginning of the season? And this is what I like about players like Nikita Paris is she didn't start, waited for her moment. Her moment came. She impressed. Yeah. Her moment came again. She impressed. She started. She started against City. I don't think it was a great performance, but I don't think it was a great performance across the starting eleven for, for the team. Yeah. So it would be unfair for me to single her out individually. But I've been very impressed with her. And I just know she's just going to keep getting more confident. And that's what you kind of need. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just be very honest and say I was one of those people who thought, like, <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't really sure. So, like, when we signed her, right, like, she was kind of coming off from one season at Arsenal where she scored one goal for them. Uh, so did not have a great season. Wasn't getting a lot of minutes anyway. And before that, she was at Lyon. And even then, a lot of people said that so she was playing up front for them. So immediately after Hegerberg got injured, uh, so there were a lot of expectations from her. And I think the Leon fans, they kind of felt that, you know, she her, her, her scoring rate is not that great. Like she needs a lot of uh, shots to be able to score goals. And I just thought, you know, United, we get very few shots anyway. So, you know, probably not the right player for, for, uh, for us. And I think last season she was okay. She wasn't that great. But I think this season it's like, uh, I don't know if, if this is because of missing out on the World Cup or not getting into the Linus' squad, but I think she's just a lot more chilled out. Uh, I think maybe being dropped from the Linus' squad uh, is kind of like the pressure is off, so she's able to perform a lot better. Like right now, she's not playing for her England England's, uh, place, I think. And it was very similar to Mary in a way, like when she was dropped by England, uh, a few months after that is when her best performances started coming in because I think that sort of pressure went away that uh, I think it's kind of the similar thing with Paris. And she's scoring a lot of goals. Uh, she looks like she, like, I think her positioning has been really great. And uh, it's not, and she's not wasting opportunities. I think last season she wasted a lot of opportunities. A lot of times there were like displaced passes and so on. But I think overall she's in a really good touch of form. And that's why I think nobody was really mad that Paris started uh, the Manchester derby. I think the only problem is that, so as you're saying, there's a, there's a lot of rotation. I think there's also a lot of rotation positionally. So uh, Paris usually plays on the right wing. In the Manchester derby, she was at the left wing. Uh, so... You know, it's it's. I think it did not make sense for me that she was starting on the left wing there. But uh, she's doing well. She could have got two goals if it wasn't for for an offside. I think she will keep her place in the Conti Cup. I think though, but I also think that when you 
face teams who are really good at pressing and all the players need to do the defensive part. I think that is where maybe I would prefer Lucia Garcia ahead of Nikita Paris, even if uh, Lucia is not scoring a lot of goals right now because Lucia is really well, is doing really well defensively. And against sides like Bristol, for example, against maybe maybe Liverpool or Everton, you don't need the wingers to sort of drop back very deep and help out the fullback because the fullback is quite advanced uh, by herself. But I think against games like maybe Chelsea or Arsenal or Man City, you need like a right winger or a left winger who's sort of willing to do the the, the hard work, dropping dropping deep. So, uh, but yeah, I hope she keeps on scoring a lot of goals. Uh, but I think you know again. In terms of Lionesses, I kind of feel like uh, they sort of start playing a lot better once the pressure sort of goes off. <laughs> because the thing with Serena is, you know, once she settles on to a starting lineup, she's going she's gonna to stay with that squad no matter what. And no matter if you do well, if you don't do well. And I think a lot of players probably think that we have. We don't have that. So, for example, Hannah Blundell might just pull like the best performance ever, but she's not going to get into the squad. And I think maybe Paris might think that way. And that's why the pressure is off and she's playing really well. On the topic of, of the Lionesses, congratulations to Millie Turner for her caller to the Lionesses. Deserved. Uh, it was a long time coming. But I do agree with some parts of, about the, the pressure that comes with playing for England. I think once you're not playing for England... It's, yeah. you know, players use that as an opportunity to get back into, into motion, get back into their mojo. And it's more yeah. so to be better at club level and then just see what happens at international level. And I think with Paris, I think it's also the fact that, you know, there's a lot of contention for that right-hand side. You know, Jace can, yeah. JC can play there. Mallard is being forced to play there. Another thing I don't <laughs> understand. Um, yeah. And I'm going to actually come to that. Um, but yeah. Mallard can play there, you know, Garcia can play there. There's a lot of players that can play on the right-hand side. And, yeah. and really and truly, I think the front line at the moment is kind of guaranteed to be Golton, JC. And the right-hand side is always a bit, I don't know who's going to play on that side. I don't yeah. know who's going to start on that side. And it's a good problem to have. And it's a good opportunity for players like Paris to kind of play good enough to kind of keep yeah. that spot. And the thing is, is you can play good, but when you're contributing with goals... Yeah. Because JC, let's be honest, has not really hit the ground running scoring yeah. every game. She, she hasn't yeah. done that. And I feel like, I think JC plays better on the right. I feel Same. like she's, yeah. I feel like we need wingers who are direct, able to get past a fullback, able to dribble. Every time she has that ball on the right hand side and she like kind of cuts in and does the drag back pass, I feel confident that she'll beat her defender all the time. Yeah. And I think Mallard is better in the nine. So I don't <laughs> understand why. It's switched oh. around every time. And I get it. You see the front line is always interchangeable. They all they always kind of change around within themselves. And I get that. But for me, I just don't... I cannot... I wish... If anybody knows the answer to this, please let me know. Why is it... Why does the manager insist on playing Mallard on the right and Jace through the middle? I think I have. I have one point of view on why that happens. And I think it's because... As you said, we don't have a ball carrier, uh, a progressor in our team. I think Jay Z kind of does that. Like she drops deep into the midfield and she sort of like carries the ball forward, dribbles or whatever. And I think that's why 
because Mark knows we don't have a midfielder who can do that. And I think that's why he kind of plays Jay-Z in the middle so that she can do it. But I don't, I just don't understand because what we have seen with our very own eyes, like that's uh, like, so, so he made uh, some, a comment, I think after the Manchester derby or before, I don't know, but he was asked why he plays Malad at right wing. And he said something which is very funny. So, so he said that Malad is actually a left wing, uh, a left winger, but she, um, we can't play her there because uh, Leah and Lucia are left wingers. And so I was like, first of all, if Lucia is a left winger, why does she always play on right wing? Like in his head, uh, his position for Lucia Garcia is the left wing. So he's not going to play her there. Sometimes Lucia has even drifted to the striker position, but left wing, she hasn't really played that, that much. So I was like, okay, so we knew that Millard is a left winger and we have two players who are ahead of her in that, in that position. But we still signed her. Now, let's say we signed her. Okay, fine. She's not playing left wing. But if you look at all the goals that Millard has scored this season, all of them have come in the it's box. In the nine. It's, yeah, it's in the nine it's position. It's proper number nine. So, okay, you can't play her at left you wing. You gave her the number nine shirt. <laughs> it's like, then at least play her at her second best position, according to you. But we're not playing her at number nine as well. We're playing her in the right on the right wing. And I don't know why exactly the whole reason like it was a whole essay it was a 500 words thing so i'd not read the whole the whole thing but i think it was something like uh he has this philosophy where the forwards need to play uh all the positions at once so you should be able to play all the three positions at once and i think he meant that if you are in a position or at right wing like she's learning or something i think that is what he meant i'm not very sure uh what he means but uh but i think like as you said Malad is a is a number nine. She has all the instincts of a number nine. So, and I mean, she really scored from from the box today. She hit the bar. Yeah, and 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 when whenever she scores a number nine, she has a very good chance of scoring. She scores actually at number nine, but uh, like Jay Z as well against PSG. So I think it was the second leg or the first leg. So against Sakina Kashawi. So it was the first leg. Yeah, when Jay Z came on and she absolutely she had Kashawi on toast. Like every single time she got past her and she sort of laid the ball for somebody else. And I just thought before that, I, I used to think Jay-Z is a number nine. But that day I was like, she's going to be brilliant at right wing. And it's like from that moment on, Mark Skinner is like, no, now Millard is on right wing. And I just don't understand the whole reason uh, with it. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope like he... He figures this out. Like, at least try it once. At least once in Conti Cup's second half or something, like, put Millard at as number nine and Jay-Z as right wing and then see what happens. I think it's, I think when she came on against Arsenal, she was in the nine when she scored. Yeah. Uh, I think in she the initial in the matches, nine. so in the initial matches, Millard was the number nine and Jay-Z was shifted to the right wing when they were there. But I think after the PSG games or something happened and suddenly they were, like... Millard was right wing and Jay-Z was number nine. Overall, what would you rate today's performance out of, out of 10? Mm. <laughs> I think so. So I think in general, I would probably rate it as a six. But uh, I think because we have been struggling with results in, in WSL, so it would still be a six, by the way. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> can I give 
give it a seven, but no, I think maybe six, six point five. Yeah. I'd give it a five if I'm being oh, honest. Okay. I think it was a yeah. bang average performance. Yeah. I think the I think the first goal was, you know, I'm shameless, but it was a lucky goal. It was a deflection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the keeper would have had that save because she had been making saves. Uh, throughout the game um, yeah. I think the second goal for me I think it's kind of underlooked because um, me, and this goes back to my point about Miyazawa and Toon playing together well because both goals they had contributions to it in the first one um, it was Ella Toon that laid it off for Miyazawa in the second one it was Leah Golton I think that chased down the second ball and played it to Miyazawa and Miyazawa found Toon and Toon put in the delivery so Clearly, they're working well together and they play well together. I think Ella Toon, I'm happy that she's she's looking like she's a bit more confident. She's now, you know, you see a little bit of difference in in her in her character, in her in her demeanor when she's on the pitch, where she looks confident. And not just that, she's looking for the pass to create yeah. something. She's looking for the assist. I don't think she's too focused now on getting a goal because I think, you know, when you play football, you know, getting a goal boosts your confidence but I think she's realized now that really is the assist that she needs to needs to focus on and that's what she's done well today could have had a third assist um for that Nikita Paris goal that got disallowed as well she could have had a goal as well so she could have actually had three assists and a goal and I think she just looks a lot more she's growing in confidence and that's just what I want to see like ideally for me she goes with the Lionesses because I think she's in the squad she she goes with them doesn't play like ideally for me that's what I would like because I feel like, like you said earlier, a lot of pressure comes with the England team. And I'd rather she just focuses on performing well at club level and then think about the international stage afterwards. But in the Lionesses team, I think, you know, with a lot of people coming back from injury, etc., it's kind of like every spot's up for grabs right now. There's a lot of yeah. players that have their cemented places, but there's other roles, especially in the creative side of the team, that is up for grabs. So I definitely hope that this confidence kind of uh, ignites something in Ella Toon to have a better season because, you know, last season it was a difficult watch. Beginning of the season, it was a difficult watch. But she's, I'd say, really going to it. I give it a five just because I feel like... So a, I have a question, like, before, before as you said, right? Initially, when I remember in the first few games, when Miyazawa played at 10, so there was like a really good understanding between Miyazawa, Jayze and Malad, like the MGM we used to call it, right? And it was brilliant. And I thought like, this is amazing. But I think bec- since then, like Miyazawa has played at number eight and that sort of sort of brings down that connection that she has with Miyazawa, uh, with Malad and Jayze. Uh, but then when you see Tooney play at 10, it's not the same connection. So I think, so if I have to ask, like, as a number 10, for example, who would you rather have based on like the current performances, like Tony or Miyazawa? I would have both of them. I would have both <laughs> of them. I would, I would play oh, with yeah. two tens. And we saw it today yeah. when Haley Ladd came on, Zellum was playing a lot more high. She weren't playing as an eight. She was essentially yeah. playing as like a hybrid eight ten. And Toon was still playing in that ten. They were p- playing side by side. Um, yeah. and, I, and the reason why I think Miyazawa plays a bit deeper um, is I think the manager knows that Katie Zellum is not a six, but he insists yeah. on playing her as a six. If it was Hayley Ladd to start there, I think Miyazawa would play a lot more forward. And I think yeah. Ella Toon, and I think like Ella Toon and Miyazawa, you don't know where I stand on it. I think they play great together. I, play, I think they play well together. I think they both have traits that the other person doesn't have. And I think Miyazawa reads the game very well. 
So, yeah. you know, she's able to pick out passes. I think Ella Toon is good at linking up with people. You know, she's getting in her assist bag. She's putting assists on the board. Miyazawa, congratulations to her, actually, because we didn't even mention it, got her first goal in the WSL as well. So I think the question is more so if United get a DM or, you know, I think they've needed a DM. If United get a DM, what would that mean for Zellum? Let's say we get Oberdorf. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, let's say that. Hypothetically, let's say we get Oberdorf as number six. Then what? What would that mean for Zellum? Because does that mean the captain is now dropped? Uh, and that's, I the, think that's so. the uncomfortable yeah. conversations that have to be had. So if I was the manager, I think even without Oberdorf, I would rather play lad. But I think like if we if we have to get a, num- uh, a really good number number six, then you can either play Zellum a bit forward in the number eight, as a number eight, maybe. But then you, I think we already have better number eights than her. So it's a difficult question. A difficult I think decision. nobody has what Zellum has when it comes to her ability to play passes. I think her ability yes, of switching play is what yeah. United don't have. And obviously her set pieces, I think that would be a big, yeah. big loss. Because today, United had so many corners and they were getting near enough to scoring from them. We saw last season, you know, I think United scored the most goals last season in the WSL from set pieces. Yeah, they scored the yeah. most goals. Um, and, and and all credit, most of the credit, I would say, goes to Katie Zellum. I feel like when people yeah. criticise her, we know she's not a DM, but I think she is able to do a good job in the midfield if she has no defensive uh, responsibility. And this is what it, it is interesting to me because then, you know, United went and signed uh, Irene Guerrero. They've got Miyazawa, you know. Is that is that saying that there's no plans to sign a DM anytime soon? Because essentially, Man United are stacked in the midfield. You know, they've yeah. got a lot of options, but it's just not the option they need. They need a six. Like, you can't buy an eight. You can't go and buy a Miyazawa and try to turn her into a double pivot partner. That's not what she is. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's just she like played, the recruitment she side. Played on the, she played on the left wing. So when she won the Golden Boot for Japan she in the World Cup, she was playing at left wing. And she played at 10, she was great. Now she's playing at 8, she's great. So like she's an amazing player. Like technically she's brilliant. And we are playing her at, 10, at 8 and she's working. But I think she can be a lot better if she's playing much forward. And much forward, 100%. Yeah, I think we have a stacked midfield. But I think that's, it's like... Again, a, a combination of people who don't work well together. And uh, I think it's a combination of um, like more so attacking midfielders or holding yeah. midfielders. There's no sitting midfielder. There is no DM. Right. That I, maybe it's for Lad. Maybe Haley Lad. I actually think I actually think Mark Skinner does not want to play. Does not like playing as a lone with a lone number six. He's doing that this season. But from the moment he has been at United, I think it's been quite clear he doesn't like like a sitting holding midfielder like Haley Ladd. Because the first things that he did, the, one of the first things that he did was basically drop Haley Ladd the moment he got here. And he played uh, Zellum and Jackie together. But again, I think it's either 4-2-3-1. But he doesn't like a number six, a lone number six. He's forced to play her right now. But... Uh, forced to play that way right now but I don't but like let's say that's why I think you know even if we were to sign somebody like Oberdorf that's not going to solve our problems no, at, our midfield problem because it, it won't solve the problems now 
Because as much as people say Zellum is not the only problem, it's the combination of players. I don't think Zellum is a problem, guys. Please don't. I don't think Zellum is a problem. And the reason why I don't think she's a problem is because I think she's not being played to her strengths. Yeah, and exactly. as a person, like forget a footballer, but as a person, if you know that you don't have certain strengths and your manager insists on you doing those stuff, she's doing her best. Exactly, she's doing, but it's not her strengths. And I think more the the fault lies on the manager. Yeah, and um, yeah, I I completely agree. Like she's been told what to do, and she's doing really well at that. Like she's been asked to like provide great set pieces. She's she's brilliant at that for the last two seasons. But again, as I said, we can. We have to stop recruiting players by individual names and just figure out what we have and how we can make it better. So I feel one thing I think, and, and I said this after the transfer window closed and I was kind of like reviewing the transfer window. I feel like I don't see a playing philosophy in the manager. Yeah. I don't see a style of play. So as a result, I don't see a style of players that you that, that he goes for or they sign because, you know, the window, the transfer window, great transfer window, signed great players. But some of them, I was like, where are they going to fit in? Irene yeah. Guerrero, for me, I was like, okay, World Cup winner, good player. Where is she going to play? When is she going to play? Is she going to play? And she's also pro- apparently very similar to Wilder Borisa. Exactly. So it's like you let go of one player who you never played and you bring in a like-for-like switch. You never play. <laughs> She's out injured, I think, at the moment. She's expected maybe yeah. to come back after the international break. But for me, it's like, you know, you look at the manager's style of play or the lack of style of play. And as a result, I feel like it reflects in, you know, the the, the transfers that they bring in. They bring in different characters and different types of players in the hopes that you can kind of mesh them into the team. But if you were to sign players that fit your style of football and the style you're trying to play, it would be a consistent style of players across, you know, the front line, etc. But it's also... A positive at the same time because you know you can make changes in a game and bring on something different you know something jc is not working up top you can bring on williams you can bring on mallard you know nikita paris ain't working on the right hand side you can bring on lucia garcia something's not working in the middle you can bring on nolson you can bring on lad you can bring on whoever so that's enough that's a positive but i feel like you know the players that they have that united have and you know the i said this before earlier in the podcast midfield is the most important part of the team it's the heart of the team. It keeps the heart pumping. Yeah. You know, you bro, we are going to go and play the likes of Chelsea and get played off the pitch. Yeah. Oh, sh- Man City, we lost the game across mm. the front line, I think, across the starting eleven. But I think the loss was in the midfield. We had no control of the midfield. Today, yeah. I don't think we had much control of the midfield. And I think it's more down to Bristol's shape, Bristol City's shape, the way they set up and their physicality. And I think that's another thing United lack sometimes is physicality. Jade Riviere was getting flung around the pitch today. You know, the right. ref wasn't calling anything. Um, and sometimes calls don't go in your favour, but I feel like it's going to be a very interesting season. That's all I have to say. I think, and this is my question to you. When I came into the season, I yeah. said that United have to do better than the last season. So I said they have to get silverware, some sort of trophy, and they have to have a good... WSL campaign, I said that you can't spend a lot of money in a window and have a worse season than the season before. Now the season is kind of progressing. As we're recording now, United are sitting, I think they're sitting in third, but obviously it will change depending on the other WSL results. Four wins, three draws, one loss. What is your expectation from this WSL season now that we're approaching December? 
I think when the season started, I would have wanted to win a trophy. I would have wanted to do better than last season, win the league if it was possible. Obviously, that's going to be really difficult. But I think the minimum from this season should be to get top three, like consolidate ourselves. Like I don't want us to be that team that makes it into Champions League like once every four years, right? We want to be there consistently. And then if we try and try enough, eventually we'll get into group stages, right? Um, I think... I think last season we didn't get out of Conti Cup. So again, win either of the Cups, FA Cup or Conti Cup. Uh, so yeah, top three. That was my expectation at the start of the season, by the way. I think the way we are playing now, the kind of the number of points we have dropped, I don't think we will be finishing in number three, in top three. Like basically we'll have to win every single game, except for maybe the Chelsea game. Uh, and we will finish in top three. But even then we need some of the mid-table teams to beat City and Arsenal. You're relying on other people to yeah. do stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, but I think, you know, we can't really, I don't know, but like, it's so difficult, right? I, like, we need to get top three. It's we, it's imperative that we get top three. Uh, I think we will get out of our Conti Cup group. I think we will. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think we will. Uh but we have to win one of them. Like, like I think as it looks right now, it will be very difficult to get into top three. So let's say if we finish fourth. It's gonna be a failure of a season for me, but I think we can if we win a cup, like ideally the FA Cup, but it, but even if it's a Conti Cup, that's progress. So the worst possible thing would be we we don't finish top three and we don't get anywhere in the cups because then it would not just be a failure. It would be sort of taking step backwards for us. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the most important thing for me, the way I see it, is take every game as it comes. It's clear yeah. that United, you know, go into games and it's kind of like they make tasks difficult for themselves. You know, we started the season going down every game, you know, trying United, to come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's in the DNA, it's in, it's, in the, it's in the club heritage. But I think it's yeah. every game as it comes, you know, international break now. So it'll be nice for players to just rest, rejuvenate, that kind of stuff. And I think it's Spurs away is the first game back and then followed by Liverpool um, in the WSL. It's an yeah. interesting run of games. I think the same weekend United plays Spurs, it's Chelsea versus Arsenal. So some yeah. points could be dropped somewhere there. Chelsea might, you know, if, if if Chelsea extend their lead at the top at the expense of Arsenal dropping points, I think United would take that. I think United would be happy mm. with that if Chelsea beat Arsenal because it means that they would extend their lead at the top, but it means Arsenal drop points. And that's kind of like what you need. You need Arsenal to be mm. dropping points, City to be dropping points. And United have to just win every game. It's as simple as that. I'm going to revisit this question again in March. I'll come back to you again in March, like nearer to the end of the season. Uh, so we can kind of dissect that. But it's Manchester United to Bristol City, nil. International break comes at a good time. I feel like there's always international breaks. I feel like it yeah. comes, the season, it comes, football comes back and then it's like three games and then we're back on international break. Let me know what you guys thought about the game, about the results, where United stand right now going into the international break. You can find me on all socials at Minna Football. Make sure you hit a five-star review if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts from. Namrata, where can they find you if they want to find you on social media? So my Twitter handle is namrata underscore ydv. Uh, I'm not active on Instagram or Facebook, so that's I think that's the only. And I that's also come, 
I also come on podcast for uh, Only One United. So kind of you can follow their their uh, their account on Twitter for that. Yeah, I will I will put links I will put links to your socials in the bio. I will put links to Only One United. Make sure you guys check that out as well. Love watching them on Tuesdays or Wednesdays evening, where whatever time you normally stream. Um, and make sure you guys hit five star review. We'll be back with a podcast in a few weeks time after the international break when Manchester United go away to Spurs, a different looking Spurs this season. So that's going to be a good matchup. You guys know what it is. Until next time. It's your girl, Minna, and this is the Carrington Podcast, the Manchester United women's podcast, where you can get all your information on the team. We're out. Peace.